The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Well, awesome. Well, as uh, Barrett mentioned, it is uh, it's great to have Mark Mueller here with us today. Um, he's actually a, a good friend of mine as well. And, and as Barrett mentioned, we're, uh, he's considering having Mark and Tracy here to lead worship and do ministry with him and Krista as they get started with Axe Church Northwest. Uh, and so, once again, if you get a chance to kind of, you know, whisper in his ear, you know, incentivize it however you can. We certainly encourage that. Uh, but uh, I, I got to be honest, like, I, I want him here for, for kind of selfish reasons. Uh, he and I were actually in a band together in the Twin Cities. And uh, I can't tell you the name of our band because there are children present, but you can ask me about it afterwards, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what it was called. Um, but, but he's here, and Barry's here. And the reason why, if you've been a part of our church for a while, you know why this is, is, is because we're in the business of planting churches. Like, that's what we do. We start new churches, and we do that... Because new churches reach new people with the gospel. Like, it's just true. It's just what happens. New churches reach new people with the gospel, and so that's what we want to be a part of. And we've seen it happen with this church. Some of you will even remember, like, really the first time that it happened for us. See, for those of you that don't know, two weeks into our public launch as Acts Church Lander, we had our first two baptisms. And our first two baptisms were two high school students who prior to our church, had never stepped foot inside of a church before. Uh, but they had, their neighbors were part of our launch team, and, and their neighbors shared the gospel with them. And these kids and their parents were like, we're in, sign us up. And so, so they came, and it was, it was just this incredible thing. And we, we got to baptize them, and they were just committed to this community. And they were growing in the gospel, and it was, it was an awesome thing to see. They were just so a part of the fabric of who we were for like a year and a half. And it was awesome. And then all of a sudden... They just disappeared. It was like they just walked away. They just stopped showing up. They stopped being a part of anything. And so, of course, I reached out to them. A bunch of people reached out to them. But after several uh, unreturned emails, several unreturned phone calls, several unreturned text messages, I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to go to their house. And so I just went to their house one Sunday afternoon. So first of all, let that be a lesson to you. Try to leave. See what happens. I'll find you. Okay? (laughs) Um, so, so I just show up at their front door, um, and, and the mom of the family opens the door, and her first words to me were, well, this is awkward. And I said, yes, it is. Uh, and, and, then, and then she welcomed me in, and, and I sat down with the family, and, and they kind of laid out for me what was going on and, and where they were at in life. And I, of course, can't go into any of those details with y'all, but um, by the end of the conversation even though no one at our church had wronged them or done anything like that, uh, I knew by the end of the conversation they weren't coming back. And I knew more than likely they weren't going to any other church either. And I'll tell you, like, to this day, that is still, like, one of the biggest blows that I've suffered as, as a pastor. Like, that's been one of the things that's hurt me the deepest, that's hit me the hardest. And it's, and it's not so much like my, my ego couldn't take it. Like, it's not so much like I feel like, oh, I failed them, I didn't do enough. Like, you I think I'm awesome. Like, I'm not, that's not happening, right? Like, that's, that's not the issue. Like, the issue is that I saw in them that they, they left the grace and the life and the freedom that is in Jesus and in the gospel. And they just openly chose to re-engage, to be re-enslaved to some of the broken systems of this world. Just messed me up. My heart still aches for them. Because they chose slavery 
over freedom. And this is what's going on in our text for today. See, Paul is, is writing to these churches in Galatia. There are these, these people, these churches he planted, he started, he pastored, he led. They're people that he loves, that he cares about. And he's noticing they're falling into some dangerous traps. They're choosing to enter into slavery instead of stay in the freedom of Christ. And so he's begging them in chapter 4. It's a long chapter, right? But he's begging them, please don't fall back into slavery. Stay in the freedom of the gospel. Stay in the freedom of Christ. And can I tell you, that's my prayer for you all today. You guys, there's no reason you would know this, but uh, the head of every single one of my sermons, I write out my goal for the sermon. I always just have one goal. I always have three points to get to the goal, but I just have one goal. Uh, and, and my goal today is that the hearers would live in the freedom of Christ. That's it. Okay? That's my prayer for you. And you say, well, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Well, fortunately, Galatians 4, God's word through the Apostle Paul tells us, he says that we live in the freedom of Christ when we give ourselves fully to Christ, fully to others, then we experience true freedom. All right, you give yourself fully to Christ, fully to others, then you'll experience true freedom. All right, so let's go. Live fully to Christ. Look with me at verses 1 to 3. It says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. So we need to recognize verses 1 through uh, 3 here. Paul, he's, he's using an illustration. He's using an illustration here to talk about how people relate to God. And we need to get a little background on what he's saying. So let me just give that to you. Basically, his presupposition as he's writing this is that there's two ways you can relate to God. That, that in all of humanity, there's only two ways to relate to God. Either you relate to God on the basis of your performance and your merits and what you've done, or you relate to God on the performance of Jesus Christ. In all of human history, in the entire world, in anything, those are the only two ways you can relate to God. Either you do it on your own merits and what you've done, or you do it on the merits and Jesus' performance on your behalf. Those are only two options. And so Paul's saying here, he's saying, hey, back in the day before Jesus came, like we were all slaves. Or we were all children without an inheritance. And he said we were doing whatever we could to earn the inheritance from the Father. We were doing whatever we could to make God happy. We were doing whatever we could to stay in the Master's good graces. And so what he's saying to the Galatians, he says, hey, if you want to go back to that, if you want to relate to God in that way based on your performance, you're going back to being enslaved. And that maybe sounds offensive to our ears. It was actually even more offensive to the people he was writing to. Way more. Because he says, you're enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Did you guys say that? Elementary principles of the world. Now, that phrase, elementary principles of the world, it's a Greek word, stoikion. Stoikion, right? Cool. And it's a technical philosophical term in Greek philosophy. Stoikion is a technical term. Uh, and it refers to the elementary principles of the world, which kind of the idea behind that in Greek philosophy was this, uh, that there's basically four elements in the ancient world that sort of dictated how life went. Four basic, so they didn't have the periodic table, they just had the four, right? Uh, and it was earth, fire, wind, water, right? Those are the elements. That's what Paul's, that's Stoichia. Earth, fire, wind, water. You add heart, Captain Planet shows up, all right? But they didn't do that, so they just had the four. No one, Saturday morning, Okay. Another generation. We'll get there. Thank you, Christian. All right. Um, 
So anyway, so Greek philosophy says, hey, these are the basic things, and then working behind them are the gods. Working behind them or God, whatever it is, is the deity. And so you, you got to be sure that you're treating the deity right, that you're, you're making the gods happy, you're making things happy, so these elements play in your favor. Right? So you think about it, if you're a, if you're a farmer, you got to make sure that you're working, you're doing the right things to keep the land god happy. Right? Or if you're, if you're a hedonist and you're just about passion and, and satisfying your lust, whatever your carnal urges are, you got to be sure you're keeping the sex god happy. Or if you're all about just making the money, you had to be sure that you're keeping the business god happy. Whatever it is, you're on this performance treadmill, and you just got to keep these gods happy. you got to keep these basic elements happy. And Paul's saying, hey, if you guys ignore the freedom you have in Jesus, if you just toss that to the side, you're just living enslaved to these false gods. You're doing whatever you can to work for their approval. You're enslaved. And see, the reason this is so much more offensive to the ancient people than it even is to us is he wasn't just saying this to people who, who used to worship these false gods, but he's saying this to people who were brought up in the Jewish faith, who knew the true God. And he says, hey, listen, it's the same is true for you. He says to them, if you relate to God on any other basis but Jesus Christ's work on your behalf, you're enslaved. He says, you're just like the Gentile next to you. You're just like the pagan next to you. In other words, what he's arguing here, it doesn't matter if you're pagan, if you're secular, if you're religious, if you're spiritual, whatever it is. You relate to God in any other way. But on the merits of Jesus Christ, he says, you're enslaved. Now, I say that, and someone says, well, hey, okay, that's fine. That's the ancient world. Those are some backwards people. You know, they, they hadn't gone through the Enlightenment yet. They, they didn't think about the world the way that we do. But, you know, I'm kind of my own person. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not really enslaved to anything. Not true. You're enslaved, too. You say, why? Why would you say that? Because the reality is this. The, the default setting of the human heart is worship. Everybody worships. Everybody worships something. Even if you don't believe in God, everybody lives for something. Everybody sacrifices for something. So just this week, uh, I came across an interview uh, with, with Justin Bieber. It's cool. Okay, leave me alone. And, uh, and so, so I came across it, and, uh, and in the interview, uh, Bieber warns against this propensity of celebrity worship. And he says this, I would really suggest to people, don't put your faith in me, because I'm going to disappoint you every time. Yeah, it's scary, but I want them to know that I'm not going to be able to solve their problems. I'm not that higher power. I'll never be. I'm not perfect. I've made so many mistakes. I just want to get to a place where I just want people to know humans aren't meant to be worshipped. We're just not. So when a human being is worshipped, this is dangerous. Now, I'll read that quote, and someone says, Okay, Pastor, you're trying to convince me that everyone worships, and your reference is Justin Bieber? Like, I'm not sold, bro. Like, that is a poor move, Okay. Fine, fair enough. Let's, let's climb up the, the intellectual integrity ladder here, okay? Uh, the, uh, in his infamous commencement speech at Kenyon College, uh, the late and probably greatest novel, novelist of our generation, David Foster Wallace, uh, who's not a Christian, by the way, makes a point during his commencement speech that all of us worship. All right, check this out. Because here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. 
Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wicked Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some inviolable set of ethical principles, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. So David Foster Wallace, he says, hey, everybody worships. And then he says, whatever you worship will eat you alive. So he even, he's totally right in line with St. Paul. He didn't even know it. Right? He says, whatever you worship will eat you alive. In other words, it'll enslave you. It'll entrap you. Now, some of you may still say, I'm not sold, Gabe. Right? Yeah, Bieber and some overly emotional novelist saying that everybody worships. I'm not with you. Fine. Fine. One last person, okay? One last person telling us that everybody worships. In probably his most infamous writing, The Parable of the Madman, 19th century German existentialist, the father of nihilism, of cynicism, of hipster mustache, of everything, Friedrich Nietzsche wrote this. God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. Yet his shadow still looms. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe the blood off us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement? What sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? And so Nietzsche says here, he says, hey, I, I know y'all, you know, made that movie with Kevin Sorbo, but I'm ignoring that. God is dead. He says he's staying dead. Anyone else catch that reference? Okay, thank you. All right, good. All right. God is dead. He's staying dead. And he said, but in light of that, we've still got to do something. He says, we've got to have some sort of sacred festivals. We've got to have something to atone for us. We've got to have something to wash ourselves clean. Nietzsche says, in the place of God, we've still got to worship something. There's an inherent craving in human nature to do this. Now listen. When the Bible, Bieber, David Foster Wallace and Friedrich Nietzsche all say the same thing. It's just got to be true, right? It's got to be true. Everybody worships. And if you're approaching the divine, if you're engaging God through any other way but the merits of Jesus Christ on your behalf, you're enslaved. You're enslaved. Now, I say all this, and we Christians get really excited, right? Because we know, right? We know we got to engage God through Jesus. That's the only way. He's, he's our path to God. We know this. But there's this sort of functional enslavement that happens to each of us. There's a functional way of worshiping something else that isn't God, and we fail to live into the freedom of Christ. For example... This past week, uh, I received an email from uh, the, the pastor at our mother church, Axe Church Lakeway, the, the folks we, we planted from. 
His name is Pete. And uh, received an email from Pete. And what it was is he forwarded on this email in which it was like this long string of conversations. I've been going on for a few weeks between church planners in our little tribe around the country uh, figuring out like, hey, what are some, some new models of church planning, raising up uh, new leaders? Like, what's, what's going on with that? And so Pete just forwarded this on to me. Uh, to just say, hey, Gabe, check it out. I'm part of this conversation. Some cool stuff's happening. And I'm talking with these guys all over the country about different church planning things. And so I read the email. And do you know what my gut reaction was to that? Was how come nobody asked for my opinion? Right? My gut reaction was, how many churches do I got to plant before someone listens to me? Right? What do these idiots know anyways? Like, that was my reaction. Now, in retrospect... I'll realize that's an incredibly insecure and immature response. But why was that my gut reaction? Because I was worshiping something. I wasn't relating to God on the basis of Jesus Christ. I was worshiping something else. See? Oh, I'll plant churches. I'll, I'll reach new people. I'll work hard. I'll do whatever I can. Why? Not out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for me. No, 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 no. For success. For glory. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm worshiping for. And that kind of life is slavery. It's slavery. It's slavery to the elementary principles of this world. And the reality is, friends, you fall into this trap too. You do. Every single one of you do. You live for something other than Jesus. You live for that job or for that family or for that acceptance or for that sort of level of intimacy with that person, or for this perfect way of having our picket fences and our kids all getting their A's, and that's, you live for something. And that kind of life is enslaving. Worshiping anything but God, relating to God in any other way but through the merits of Jesus Christ, is slavery. And so how are we set free? We live fully to Christ. Look with me at verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So this is what they're saying. Hey, you want to be set free from insecurity? You want to be set free from inadequacy? You want to be set free from fear? You want to be set free from guilt and shame? You want to be set free from anger and disappointment? Paul says, live fully to Christ. He says, see that when the fullness of time came, God sent his son for you. That God sent Jesus Christ for you to go to the cross to pay the price for your sins so that now when God looks at you, it's as if he sees Jesus. He loves you as much as he loves his son. That the creator of all things looks at you and loves you with an eternal love. Loves you with a love that says, hey, I know you so much. I care about you so much that even the very hairs on your head are numbered. 
He says, relate to me as your Abba, Father. There's intimacy there. He said, don't fall back into slavery. Don't fall back into that stuff that you're not going to live up to. See that you're fully accepted. You're fully loved by me, the creator of all things. Live fully to Christ and see that in him you are a son, you're a daughter with full access to the Father and all the riches that entails. But of course, as Christians, we recognize like we don't just live vertically to God, but we also live horizontally to others. And so when we, if we really want to experience our freedom, the freedom we have in Christ, that comes when we live fully to others. Look at verses 12 to 14. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. All right, now remember, Paul's writing this letter to this church in Galatia because they've, they've fallen into this trap of thinking that they're made right with God, not just by Jesus, but by Jesus, plus following all these religious rules and regulations. And so Paul's saying here, first of all, he says, hey, rediscover the freedom that you have in Christ. But then, secondly, he says, recognize how that freedom in Christ leads you to live fully towards others. And so he says, verse 12, he says, look at me. He says, become as I am, which is pretty bold, right? You guys are all messed up. Do what I'm doing, right? But this is what he says. He says, become as I am because I've become as you are. And then he gives an example of how they used to live into the freedom of Christ, of how they used to live fully to others. And he says, when I was sick, y'all took care of me as if I was Jesus himself. You guys were so loving. You were so caring. What happened to that? He says, you've been so busy doing all these religious activities, doing all these rituals that you've forgotten to just love people, that you've forgotten that the freedom that God has given you enables you to love people. And see, this is like such a no-brainer, right? This is not a no-brainer. Like those who've received God's love in Christ, like we freely give it to others. It just makes sense. It's just what we do. Like because, right, if we've truly received God's love in Christ, we're not worried about our own agendas, I'm not worried about what I got to do, how I got to get mine, how I got to get my rights. I'm so offended by this. I don't care. I'm loved by the God of the universe. Let's go, baby. Right? We can just love people. We're freed to do that. I mean, if everything is taken care of for me in Jesus Christ, I'm free to love. I just am. But it's costly to do that. It's hard to do that. It just is. And that's why. Paul's reminding the Galatians, I'm reminding you, we first got to recognize that our acceptance in God, our love, God's love for us comes purely through Jesus' work on our behalf. We got to live in that freedom first. That has to be central and core to who we are. Because here's what I mean. When I started this message and I said, hey, if you relate to God on any other basis but on the basis of Christ's work on your behalf, when I said that, otherwise you're enslaved. So if you don't relate to God purely based on Christ, you're enslaved. There's a few of you where instantly in your head, the thought goes like this, ooh, ooh that's narrow-minded. Right? That's, that's kind of closed off. Like that's, that's a really exclusive claim. And those sort of claims, that's, that's kind of dangerous. Right? Have you ever heard that like out in culture? Like, hey, exclusive claims are dangerous. Right? You hold on to certain fundamentals. That's a, a dangerous thing. Well, 
as I heard another pastor put it, it depends what your exclusive claim is. It depends what your fundamental is. Remember in 2006, there's a man who went into a, an Amish schoolhouse and he shot and killed 10 girls. Do you remember how that Amish community responded to him? They forgave him. They went to his funeral. They took up a collection and paid for counseling for his family. They sent his family gifts. Now listen, the Amish are fundamentalists by anyone's standards, right? It doesn't get more than that. Where did that come from? Why did they do that? I mean, they don't have TVs, they don't have radios, they don't have the internet. Where'd they get that idea? It's probably from that pesky exclusive claim about freedom in Jesus Christ. That it came through his death on their behalf. See, if you're fundamental, if your exclusive claim, if the, the center of your life is about a man who died forgiving his enemies... That's a pretty good claim to hang on to. That's a pretty good thing to navigate your life. See, living fully to Christ leads to living fully to others. And that's where you find true freedom. Man, and I say that, and I know it's like, it's so easy for us to just affirm that as like a nice sentiment. Uh, Actually, I think I can say this. I was one time, I was counseling a lady, and I like, had to say something that was sentimental, like a little cliche, and I was just like, I know, like, I really hate sentimentalism and cliche. She's like, I just love it. And I was like, okay, well, good. That's why God makes us different. Anyways, uh, so if you've been here, you know I hate sentimentalism, but the reality is, it sounds like such an easy sentiment, like, hey, uh, I've received the love of Jesus, and so I'm going to love you. Like, it's so easy for us to just, like, think about, that. oh, that's very cool. High five, right? But to actually do it is so hard. It's so costly, but can I tell you, it happens. And it can happen in your life. So this past week, uh, if you follow me on Facebook, some of you know uh, I released a podcast with two of my friends uh, called Pint Glass Preachers. And, uh, and this podcast, really, our hope is to talk about things that matter in our culture in a way that's kind of fun, uh, but, but also thoughtful. We're trying to find that balance. Uh, it may just be terrible. But anyways, our first episode was on social media. And so we interviewed a friend of mine who's a spoken word artist, and the reason I wanted us to to interview him is because several years ago, uh, he produced a video uh, with a a fairly large organization and then released it, and at any rate, the video is literally about his struggles with pornography, like that's the whole video. And so I asked him, I was like, bro, why would you do that? You know, like, like he told the story, like his current girlfriend's mom, before she even met him, saw that video, and she's like, oh, you're that guy. Cool. Like, it was super awkward, right? And, and so, so I, asked him, I was like, why would you do that? And, uh, and he said to me, he said, Gabe, I thought about it. And I thought, what's the worst that could happen by doing this? He said, the worst that could happen is people think there's something wrong with me. People don't like me. People could think ill of me. But he said, Gabe, when I look at the statistics, when I look at the people who wrestle with this, when I look at the people who struggle with this issue and the damage that it's bringing in our society... He said, I'm willing to just sacrifice myself for other people. He said, if I do this video and it helps at least one person get free, if it helps at least one person say, me too, feel like they're not alone, then he says, I'm happy to do that. And then he added this. He goes, because for me, it's all about Jesus. Now, obviously, 
his call in life is not your call in life, okay? So, like, don't go making videos about your deepest, darkest sins. We don't want to hear it, okay? But I tell you that story in hopes of you looking into how what freedom for Christ for you, what that's looked like in your life, can enable you to live a life of love for others. You can be willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of others because you know what Jesus has done for you. Don't sentimentalize it. Don't deplete it of its power. See that the freedom that Jesus has given you and then extend that to others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for setting us free. This life isn't about earning our way to you. It isn't about doing what we have to do to be acceptable to God, doing what we have to do to make our life matter, but that you've told us we matter. You've told us that this life is, is, is a gift from you. And so, God, I just pray for my friends here, those that are enslaved to some of the broken systems of this world. I pray that they would put their trust in you, that they'd truly experience the freedom that is to be had in you. May your grace be enough for us this day. I pray it all in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.